Generosity Path podcast, a space for global conversations with people from different walks of life about the impact generosity has had on them. It's a place of inspiration, encouragement, and hopefully joy as we hear about the transforming power and potential of generosity to change the world. Welcome, everybody, to the Generosity Path podcast, a special greeting to our global audience. Um, my name is J. Paul Frydenmaker, and I'm part of the leadership team of Generosity Path, and I'm here with Daryl Heald, who is our founder. And Daryl, it's good to, good to have you today. Yeah, thanks. Always great to be here, and super excited about our story today. Very excited about our story. We have Henry Kessner, and Henry is a good friend. Henry, how are you doing? J. Paul, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. Daryl, how are you, brother? I am good. I'm good. Thanks, Henry, for joining us. So we we really are excited to have Henry with us. Henry co-founded the Faith Driven Entrepreneur and Faith Driven Investor Ministries. Uh, he's been a catalyst behind both of those movements. He and his team seek to serve faith-driven investors, funds, partners, advisors, and entrepreneurs through content and community. And go check it out. If you Google it, It'll come right to the top. They've got all sorts of resources and conferences. Um, Henry is also a co-founder and partner at Sovereigns Capital. It's a private equity and venture capital management company that invests in faith-driven entrepreneurs in Southeast Asia. And last but not least, he serves Generosity Path as one of our board members. So Henry, thank you for that. Um, why don't you start us off, just tell us a little bit about your family, your life in the Bay Area, and the work that you're doing. Uh, thank you. Uh, I live in Los Gatos, California with Kimberly, my beautiful, awesome, awesome wife and three teenage boys. Actually, one of the boys is off at college um, back at the University of North Carolina, where we had moved out uh, from six and a half years ago. Um and then I've got Joe and then I've got Graham. And uh, I love being out here, felt called to be here. And it is wonderful to be in an environment where we can minister to young entrepreneurs and investors that God is using magnificently in the marketplace in places like Facebook and Google on the bigger company side, but then on the, on the, uh, on the early stage innovation side. And just young men and women are trying to figure out what their identity is and their call to create. And it's a great mission field. You know, I, um, at Sovereign's Capital, we invest in the United States, but then also in Indonesia, of course. And um, one of my partners, Luke, had moved over to Southeast Asia. And he was living in, instead of Singapore, which is pretty cushy, he was living in Jakarta. And uh, I think he always laughs when he hears that I was called out here and that I consider Silicon Valley to be the mission field. I think that any place that has Chipotle uh, all <laughs> automatically can't be in the mission field. Uh, but this is where God has called us. And it's it's unique, it's vibrant, it's crazy. And uh, it, like every other place in the country, just needs Jesus. I need Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Me too. <laughs> well, Henry, we have, uh, thanks again for joining us. You know, we've, we've had lots of adventures over, over the years and, uh, and all, but, I, and I, but I've, I've always seen something really consistent with you and that uh, you just, you love entrepreneurs and you love to, to help them and resource them, and and generosity has been one of those, um, one of those character characteristics that you have been you know wanting to connect them with, and um, 
So tell us, I mean, like, what, what is your, what is your passion behind that? Tell us a little bit about your own entrepreneurial story and then kind of come full circle with the intersection with generosity. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, on the entrepreneurial story, uh, it actually it starts in college where I discovered my first love, and that was that I could make a T-shirt for $5 and sell it for 10 <laughs> And I've never been very good at math, but I could do that math, and it was just awesome. And by the time I got out of college, we had sales teams of one form or fashion at 50 different colleges, and it was just really – it was just – it was a lot of fun. Um, my dad encouraged me to get a real job as I ran in a little bit of some copyright issues as I was uh, a senior, and um, – and then I went to New York and I had seen the movie Wall Street. I wanted to be Bud Fox, the Charlie Sheen character, which is the first sign that things are going wrong in your life when Charlie Sheen's your first role model. Yeah. And then uh, really just pursued <laughs> fame and fortune and happiness in Wall Street. And of course, didn't find it. Um, six years in, I uh, saw an opportunity to go and start my own financial derivative shop. And so knowing that I couldn't afford to hire a full desk of people at New York wages, Kimberly and I moved to North Carolina in 1997. And it was in 1998 when Kimberly and I uh, stumbled into a church and, uh, and heard the gospel and just were, con were just confronted with this kind of cultural faith that we grew up with, but just endeavoring to understand whether we could trust the Bible and deciding to read it, God really reached us. And so that changed everything. Sold the company I'd had and then used that money um, to partner with David Morkin. Uh, best friend and business partner at Bandwidth. And we started this company based on the, uh, the, the values of faith first, then family, then work, and then fitness. Uh, two and a half years in, uh, we're, uh, we spent through all the money that, that Dave and I had both had and went out to Stand Hill Road, which is out here in Silicon Valley, went up and down and tried to raise money. And um, we wouldn't talk about our faith on the first visit, but uh, when it came time to a second or a third visit, and we had several of those, we'd say, listen, you know, you need to know that we're not going to be a holy huddle here at Bandwidth, but our cultural values are faith first, then family, then work, and then fitness. And we knew that we we're going to be bringing on board a partner, somebody to have a board seat. And when we'd said that, we got a lot of blank stares and really yeah. feel that in a best case scenario, we were misunderstood. And in a worst case scenario uh, that we were prejudiced against a bit, we went over for 40 in venture raises. Wow. And a time that um, was just a long, hard slog for us. So that gave birth uh, 10 years on as, the Lord blessed sovereigns gave, uh, I'm sorry, the Lord blessed bandwidth. It gave us an opportunity to start sovereigns capital. And now we've invested just about uh, $200 million in 63 faith driven companies in the U S and Southeast Asia. And, um, and then the entrepreneurial story continues. We found that we were saying no to a whole lot of great companies, but it's just wrong stage of industry geography. So we started faith-driven entrepreneurs and ministry. And then we started faith-driven investors shortly thereafter. But, you know, my generosity story, Daryl, is one that you, of course, know super well. Um, I came to faith at 28, as I just described. Um, it was when I was 38 that Liston Peebles drove with me from Raleigh, North Carolina, all the way to Chattanooga, which is eight hours of... Uh, great quality time with Liston on the way there and on the way back. And uh, when I got there, um, there's this guy, Daryl Hewlett. I'll never forget uh, that you hugged me uh, on that first visit, which was people hug more now um, than they did then. And it threw me off, but in a really winsome way. And uh, as thousands and thousands of people who have interacted with you have come to know is just your heart for the Lord and your heart for them. Yeah. I was just really just captivated by that. And I remember you patiently listened to some of the different things that Kimberly and I were giving to that were 
charitable, not-for-profit entrepreneurial endeavors in Durham. One was called Durham Cares, another one called Ministry Spotlight. And he listened very, very patiently to those. And then at the end of me going through this in, in a way that probably sounded and probably was boastful, you asked me this simple question that just rocked my world. You just, you asked me, Henry, why do you give? And that simple question sent me reeling. And you and I have talked about this enough since then. I can't remember exactly what I said. I, I fear that I said something like, I don't want to pay it forward or I want to have good karma. Hopefully it wasn't that bad, right? <laughs> but I know that it probably wasn't any better than being like theologically B minus. And as God often does, almost always does actually, he ended up speaking to me through his word over the next six months. When I came to faith, one of the disciplines I learned very, very early on and through the grace of God, I've been able to continue it as being in God's word every day. And it seemed that every passage I read over the next six months had something to do with money. Mm. Even those that ostensibly didn't. For instance, the one passage that just really got me about giving was God taking five loaves and two fish and feeding 5,000. Mm. You're like, oh my goodness, God doesn't need my money. He can take something out of nothing. And so whether I make a million dollars or $10,000 or $1, God just wants my heart. And, um, and then I, I think that as we continued our friendship, I reported back to you what I was hearing. And you're like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that you started to see me starting to get it. And uh, then I was all in. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of like being born again. It was just like, you know, the first time the scales were taken off my eyes and I get to see how much God loved me. But it wasn't until I really can't, came to understand about how money still had to hold my heart. At the time when, when I met you, Daryl, Kimberly and I were probably giving away 20%. And yeah. I thought there's probably a special place in heaven for the double tither, right? You get box seats <laughs> to Angels games. There's something in it. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it's good. And I realized through your uh, ministry to me and God speaking to me through his word that God actually really only had about 20% of my heart. Yeah. And when I came to understand that God owns it all, it freed me up to worship him and experience joy that I didn't expect. It's so countercultural and counterintuitive to think that giving something up delivers freedom and joy. And yet, um, you know, and if you're a listener to this podcast, you probably, you probably get that sense. And, um, and that's been something that, that I've been able to continue to learn imperfectly, but continue to learn in the 13 years since then and during the time that we've been friends. And I'm grateful for it. I'm mm. grateful for you. I am. Well, I'm, thanks for sharing that, Henry. I am grateful for you too. And it's been, it's been fun when we talk about being on a journey. Uh, so we talk about this journey, generosity, but just being on this journey that it's, it's you know, a journey on its own is not, is not very fun. But when you're together and you're in friendship, you're in community, it means a lot. So um, yeah. You're a great travel really, buddy, too. Really, really appreciate it. <laughs> Virtually you. and physically, logistically, <laughs> all over the world, just just bringing this message of generosity out to people in far-flung places. It's been it's been awesome. So, Henry, related to passing this DNA on, right to uh, to uh, entrepreneurs and investors, what role does this topic play in the ministry of faith-driven entrepreneur? It plays a big one. I think that I think that money has got its hold on everybody. Everybody that that um, gets acquainted with money and the power it can bring, and the utility and all that. Just money's just got incredible power. 
And, uh, you know, Andy Crouch gives this great talk on God and mammon. And you just start to get the sense of just the pull of mammon. And it just being kind of like a, a, a God and it just, and he does a great job of unpacking the word. And it's really, it's, it's, it's power. It's more than just money. It's just a power and it has a hold on everybody. So um, I, I think actually uh, that uh, money hold, has a hold on the entrepreneur's heart as much or more than other folks, because money is used to um, track your identity. And it shouldn't be this way, of course, but an entrepreneur looks at themselves and is like, well, we've been successful. We're growing at 10% month over month, or we just want EBITDA positive. My parents call me up and they're said they're so proud to have read about me in my newspaper in the newspaper. And in the newspaper, of course, is right, you know, they went to from seven hundred thousand dollars in sales to one point seven million dollars in sales, and everything seems to be around money. And money is important. It provides liquidity, it provides incentive, it allows you to be able to to reward and allow your employees to be able to support their families. There's so many good things that money provides, and yet it can hold, have a power unlike almost anything else. And so we need to, when we talk to a faith-driven entrepreneur, we have these 11 marks that we go through. And uh, one of them is call to create, one's the identity in Christ. But right after that, we get right into the to stewardship versus ownership. We get into the biblical message of generosity, because if we can't, talk about that and we can't implement some of the the teachings that we've heard from alan barnhart and so many of the great stories that generous giving and generosity path have been able to just surface over the years um, we'll miss an opportunity to be able to minister to some of these entrepreneurs early when you can set up your financial finish line early when you come to understand who owns it all early when you can come to understand that as you make more money you have an opportunity to participate in what God is doing in the world. And then that starts this pattern recognition where you and you, you just have so much more joy that compounds. It's like the Albert Einstein thing. The most incredible power in the world is the power of compounded interest. You go ahead and you get to be a part of the stories of God working throughout the world. The compounded joy that that gives you in your spiritual discipleship just compounds. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we have to, uh, ministered entrepreneurs and to let them know this good news. The good news is that money doesn't have to hold, have an uh, inordinate power over you, um, that you can use it in a way to participate in what God is doing and you'll experience more joy because of it. And it's, uh, it's integral. What, if you don't mind telling us, what are some of the causes that you and Kimberly love to give to and how do the two of you uh, typically approach giving decisions? Well, um, we love to give uh, to ministries that promote the biblical message of generosity because I think that ultimately, and you, you know, you've got Daryl as your co-host, so you can hear this enough, but it's not about money. It's about heart transformation. So any ministry that touches on the biblical message of generosity is really about discipleship. And I love that. I love the leverage and the scale. So you're able to go ahead and you're able to minister to somebody. You're able to help them to walk closer to Jesus in a way that they really experience great joy. You know, your listeners probably know by now that the journeys of generosity have a net promoter score of like 75 or 80. I mean, it's really off the chart. So you're delivering joy to them. They're being, they're being discipled. And then as an outpouring of that, they end up getting really creative and thoughtful about being joyful givers. And so you're just unleashing more and more uh, funds that are going to work in the kingdom of God. So I'm an investor and an entrepreneur, and I love leverage. I love scale. So that's that's something I always enjoy giving to. Um, I'm also an entrepreneur, so I love um, giving to Christ-centered economic development. 
love ministries like Hope International. I like entrepreneurial things. So new ministries that are getting started to, to um, uh, sometimes it's to help people to give better. Uh, love the guys at Simple Charity. Um, I think are great. Um, I love uh, youth discipleship. I love ministries that help young people come to know Jesus. I love ministries that help people to know Jesus in the workplace. I love people. I love ministries that help um, people know Jesus uh, through athletics and sports ministry. I love ministries that help people to know Jesus. And then uh, how do I give it with Kimberly? I'll tell you, um, uh, I haven't always done this well. And I, this is, this is an area for just continued improvement. Sometimes it's more expeditious for me to make a gift uh, than really sitting down and really going through that with Kimberly. And um, that's been a mistake. Uh, I don't do it nearly as poorly as I once did. Um, uh, but it's an area for it's an area for improvement. There was a time when uh, I had wanted to make a large gift, and I went to Kimberly and said, "I really want to go ahead. I really want to I want to give this, uh, but you need to know about it." And I think I was probably pretty impatient with the way, like, "Oh my gosh, now I'm going to have to explain why why we're not going to be able to do these other things we'd want to do with our money." And just I had a bad heart about it and wasn't very patient with her as she was asking some really good questions. And I remember being down at the beach with Kimberly and thinking, gosh, you know, I really like it down at the beach. Oh, gosh, the water is here. I feel like I'm away from all the stress. I'm just, this is incredible. We'll really be happy if we have a beach house. And I'd actually, I would have rather had a mountain house. There's mountain people and there are beach people. Kimberly's a beach person. And I like the water too. So, but we'll be really happy if we have a second home, if we have a vacation home where we can get away and we can make special memories here. And this is going to be super great. And so we buy the beach house. And that delivered happiness for about 11 days. And then we got to figure out flood insurance, all these other things. And it was really amazing to me about just how that all went down. But again, Kimberly is a beach person. So um, I um, uh, am telling Kimberly about this gift. And we kind of go back and forth on it over the course of a couple of weeks. And then Kimberly comes to me and says, look, I know that you want to make this gift. And it's really important. And I understand why. Let's sell the beach house and give all the money away to this cause that you care about. It's amazing. Mm. Unbelievable. It's probably the greatest act of love that um, Kimberly's loving on me all the time. She's un unbelievable, but it just blew me away because, um, uh, you know, she, she, uh, she gave up the thing mm. that she really liked. She was a beach house person. And, uh, and that helped me just say, gosh, you know, the, the, Doing this in partnership with Kimberly, even though, as I just mentioned, I don't do it perfectly and have so much room to grow in, but doing this with Kimberly is, um, is a beautiful thing. And she just really was, did a beautiful thing for me. And we got a chance to participate in the story of a really cool ministry. When you talk about generosity, you know, I think there's some, you know, for those as entrepreneurs, there's this tension of, of you know, funding the business, building the business, you know, scaling the business and, 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 you know, and always this mismatch between, you know, the, the output and the, and, and the uh, funding. And then on the investor side, there's this temptation of, of, let me take what this is, make it bigger, and I'll have more to give. Could you kind of speak to those, those two tensions on the entrepreneurial side of, like, in, in some ways of what, maybe be inhibiting or to free up more generosity. 
Yeah, I, I think that there is a there is a big tension of, you know, generosity is something for people who are 50 or 60 or 70, they've had their exit, they're sitting on a lot of money, and there's clearly excess, they have an opportunity to give. And there's a season for that. They'll have more liquid reserves, their kids will be off in college, they'll have more time to think about doing it well. And so um, I'm pro-generosity, but it's a season type of thing. And I think that that's common thought, that's a common thought in the church. And um and gosh, I'd want to do anything possible to combat it. Now, number one, there are things like, such as seasons in life. And yet uh, you just get acquainted with the story of Alan Barnhart about he and, how he and Catherine were able to come up with a finish line early and it capped their earnings. And then they look to give the rest away. And the way that they experience God's joy in their late 20s, their 30s, their 40s, by being thoughtful about giving away. And yeah, they probably, you know, Barnhart Crane's an amazing company and, and they have like, I don't know, seven or eight kids. So they're always really, really busy. And so one of the things they did was they, uh, they, they knew that they had some excess money because they established their finish line about what they're going to cap their earnings at. And they knew, um, but they also didn't have a ton of time. So they invited their employees in and they invited great friends in and together in community, they talked and thought and prayed about how to give in a way that, that they experienced incredible joy. So in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, these decades where other people are like, well, this is the time for me to accumulate wealth. At some point in time, I'll give it away when I've got time and more liquid reserves. Um, you get the sense that the Barnhart's have been able to experience decades and decades of joy that, um, that one shouldn't postpone. Mm. And by mm. the way, by the time that they're you know 50 or 60, they have an opportunity to really understand and have some great relationships with some ministries and can really roll up their sleeves and really understand some of the big issues are going on in the world. And there's so much better givers now that they've been giving for 30 years. They're experiencing mm. more joy and God's using them and to make a real impact. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's something that is a, uh, that we need to, we need to push through about, well, it's this, you know, this concept of seasons. All right. So Henry, tell us, we like to, to end these by having you tell us a story that is, is close to home where, where you have been the recipient of generosity recently from within your family, your neighborhood, your community. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. I think of a time that I was on a business trip and one of my kids was went through a health emergency and, and one of the guys in the small group just like dro dropped everything he was doing and came over to help out. And, um, and I think that's really important. It, it makes an impact. You know, um, there's the old saying that, uh, that givers don't oftentimes receive gifts and through the grace of God, I've been successful and I, and, and we get to be a net giver, which is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I love talking about it. I'm on a generosity podcast. Um, and, uh, it was really neat that this person kind of bucked that trend and saw that, you know, we were in a time of need and we could, uh, we could um, benefit from something and, and sacrificially he gave his time in a way that really made an impact. So I'm grateful to Jared, who is the guy who did it. And yeah. I'm grateful for you asking the question and, and yeah. you're, uh, you're asking the question prompts me just to be more thoughtful about how I also give to others, um, uh, others that are givers and maybe even people that, that, um, that, uh, don't receive a lot of gifts because people just you know, presume that they've got a lot of different things, but yeah. just there's something really powerful about giving and uh, great question. 
Well, we, Daryl and I often talk about it's it's more blessed to give, in the words of Jesus, more blessed to give than receive. But sometimes it's harder to receive than it is to give. But I, I find that people who have learned how to receive well also become better givers. And, and you're one of those, Henry. Um, you are a blessing. Thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. It's been a great treat. I'm grateful for both of you and your ministry and your faithfulness to it. And it's great joy being with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, my friend. Really appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Generosity Path podcast. Pay it forward by rating, sharing, and subscribing. To find out more about connecting your own passions and purpose with your giving, visit generositypath.org or engage in the conversation by following us on social media. Let's make the world a better place.